God, what you call a problem is not a problem to him. We are limited by the physical things we see and physical things we feel, but God is not limited by it. He is able to take a few loaves of bread and feed thousands of people, and also having full of basket left. That is the God we serve. But after he performed these miracles, people started following him. And it's good for God to reveal himself to you in a certain way. It strengthens your faith that he is really alive or he's really there. Miracles are good. Miracle shows how great God is and how mighty and what God can do. And they reveal God himself. That he is the bread of life when you walk with him and you are hungry, you don't have to get worried about it, for he is the bread of life. He can feed you. So he gives you physical bread to eat. In the Old Testament, the same thing happened. God asked a prophet to go to a widow. It was a time when things are very difficult, and he said, go to a widow to feed you. And the widow that was to feed him was not a rich widow. He went to that widow. I don't know why God chose that widow. I thought she should look for somebody who has got a lot of grain, bags of uh, rice, a lot of oil. But the one who was going to eat their last meal, and the last meal is for two people. He went there. He said, cook that food, give it to me to eat first. The remaining, you can eat. How many of you, if you are a journalist here, and a prophet goes to a widow and tells a widow like that, what would be the topic that you put there? <laughs> prophet Froster. I know sometimes God asks us to do very difficult things. And any time the things become difficult, there's a miracle in it. Yeah. It wasn't a very easy thing to release your last food. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. If it is God who is speaking, there shouldn't be fear in it. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bean of flour shall not what? Be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sent rain on the earth. He said, look, when you give me, this is what is going to happen. I will meet your need in time of difficulties. So what it meant is that God will provide for you when there is no way. So he meet your need in difficult times. He said, this will continue to happen to you until what? Until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So the reason why 
the woman was having only few or that little thing to eat because there wasn't rain and there was farming and things are very difficult. In time of difficult times like this, God provides. The well is going through some kind of, uh, how do I say it? Earthquake. Every place is shaking. Economies are crumbling. Now everywhere is difficult including our country. The promises of men cannot work now because the external situation that is causing the thing, anybody who promises you will make it cool for you is lying. Until everything is stabilized, God has a way of sustaining his people. His people should not be afraid. That is why the prophet said, don't be afraid because there is no rain, because nothing is happening, because things are very difficult, because it looks like what is left is only for a second or a minute or today. From tomorrow you will die. No, we won't die from tomorrow. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. Sometimes we feel when God comes and says, give an offering, he wants to rob you. When Elijah said, give me the food to eat, in the human mind, it looked like this man has no feeling. But that is the solution to their problem. When you are not able to release you cannot receive. There was another widow that they were sent to, and the widow says, my husband has served the Lord. Sometimes you sincerely and genuinely live right, but in your living right, the system will not help you. And because you want to do it free, Jim, you come out with nothing in life. Those who have been stealing have made it. You who didn't steal, you are in debt. And so now you begin to question, does God see things? A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. She's a widow now. And the widows before them depended upon their husband. The women were not independently working in those days. So when the man is not there, it means that they have nothing. Especially if the man have nothing, they too, they will have nothing to live on. So the man in his life maybe was not paid well. So have to borrow money here to take care of the family. And by the time he died, he couldn't leave to work hard to repay the money. He died with debt. And the woman cried, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slave. 
use the children as collateral. The husband who's supposed to pay the money is not there. Then the children, the two children were the one that's supposed to go and be slave forever. So, under this circumstance, what do you do? So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? What do you have in the house? What do you have in you? What talent do you have? And she said, your maid servant has what? Nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Thank God she added but. It means that even the jar of oil she thinks is nothing. What you think is nothing, God can take it and make something out of it. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere. He said, the problem is containers you need to keep your blessing. Find containers. Get good containers. If you want a church of 5,000 and you build a church that can take 50 people, I assure you, the overflow will not be more than what is inside. And I have, we have experienced it. When we're in the classroom, we have some overflow outside. When we're even coming, people say it was too big. I wrote someone say, oh, prophet, this classroom you are inside, you are coming here, look at this big place, can we fail it? Okay, when we come, we use a quarter of it. It will discourage people when they come and sit inside and the space is there, it will discourage, I said, ah, you think we will remain like that? But the day even we came here, I didn't know where the people came from. We gave a container and a field. When we started International Central Gospel Church, we used to meet in a classroom. One classroom, then the next one, Pentecost, we're also meeting there. They have two, is the one they can open. Ours is a small one that can take about 23 or 50 people, 40, you squeeze adult in it. And any time Pentecost they go, sometimes they go for their convention and we move to their place, we fill the place. So the space you give to God, it is the space he fills. We can limit God with the space we give him. Even nations can limit God. Because in our mind, if somebody don't come outside the, to help us, we can't do anything. If we have that mentality, we imprison ourselves and we'll continue to go through the circle of failures until we break forth and say, we can do this. Let's go beyond it. Let's open up. Let's give everybody the chance to move on. Give containers to God. I realize that it is space. In fact, if I double this place, it will fail. We together double this place, we will fail it. There are souls who want to come. I don't know where they will come from, but 
Give God the space, and God will fail it. It is not men that fail it. It is God. It's a little you have to give it into the hands of God, then God will fail, except it is not God who planted it. In fact, God was the one who sent the man of God to that widow. I always say there are three type of callings. One, that is called from heaven. God has called the person. Two, one which men have called. Three, one who the person himself have called. There are Enoch's from heaven that came as Enoch's. There are some who made themselves Enoch's, maybe for the kingdom's sake. And there are some which men made Enoch. In all that, if it is men that made you, you need to take the instruction carefully. If you who call yourself, then you need good management skills. If God who have called you, you need good spiritual intuition. Jesus operated by this. Wherever he went, what they think, Jesus should do this, but he would do that. Before they ask him question, he have the answer. At the point, people came and said, what shall we do that we might do the works of God? That is, I think, John 6, verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Before then, they had wanted to come and take him and make him a king. But Jesus knew that he was a king. But it's not men who should make him a king. It is God. But he perceived and everybody must perceive that people don't sing a song and lead you into a place where you are not called. He said, no, this is not the kind of kinship I have. My kinship is spiritual. It is from God. It is not the type whose democracy you have to vote for me or you have to carry me on your neck. The kind of kinship I have is above all this. The Bible says he departed. He didn't say, Sometimes you like it, but because you're a Christian, you don't want to. Me let me pronounce me and I may then by force or my father say, Oh, me I for so me. Oh boy. Ope. Yeah, for so. That thing you like it. But you want an excuse. Jesus departed after he came down. They said, What shall we do? What shall the people of God do that we might work the what? The works of God. They said to him, what shall we do that we may work what? The works of God. This is a question. I think all of us are asking this question. What shall we do? And Jesus gave some answer. <laughs> Jesus answered them. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. He defined what God's work is. But if you don't know that work, you will be struggling to look for answers somewhere to go and do what. He said, this is the work of God. That what? You believe in him who he sent. God's work is believing in Christ Jesus 
that God has sent or any person God has sent to you, when you believe it, you're doing the work of God. Because as you believe, if we really believe in him, whatever he tells us to do, we will do it. That is what God's work is. Not you determine what you want to do for God, but what Christ says you should do. Say, oh, Pastor, then if I go out and whistle, is it wrong? It's not wrong. But the winning souls should be linked to believing what Christ said. He said, go ye into the world because you believe him. That is why you went there. If you went there because you want to make a name, you didn't do the work of God. If I am here preaching because I must have a salary and people will say, oh, you are the pastor of this big church, it is not God's work I'm doing. I should do it because Jesus has asked me to do that work. Because I believe that he called me to save you. So when I'm saving you, no matter what you do, I wouldn't be offended. Because it's master who has sent me. When you get easily offended at a work, then you're not doing the work of God. If you really believe Christ sent you, you would do it with all your heart. Not even looking for a reward from the person that you are doing. Sometimes people are very slow to respond. You preach the gospel, they will insult you. They will insult you, but the gospel have gone. While he's going, something begins to tell him. What this guy told you? Have you considered it? Then there's conviction. And he moves on. Then he meets another person. Who hit it? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Say it. Why is that everybody's telling me this? You are not aware that you've sown a seed. You are angry because he insulted you, but the guy is changing. If God send you, you do what the master says you should do. This is the work of God. If God says that love your neighbor as yourself, you're loving not because you have to love, but because Jesus has commanded you to love. The work of God is not how hard you work, but how hard you believe. The amount of faith you put into what Christ has said, make it the work of God. The work of God is faith, believing in the one who sent you. In fact, what Elijah and Elisha did was the work of God. Why? Because God sent him. There were many widows. Why didn't they go to all the other widows by these particular widows? If God had been sent you and you go and do something and they beat you, <laughs> it is your own thing. But if God sent you and you go and you are beaten, you should rejoice like the apostles. They may all be the same beating, but one is for God's work and one is your own doing. What is the work of God? The work of God is that you must believe. So God's work starts when man believes. He said, look, everything you want to do for God begins with your belief and your faith in him. Whoever did the work of God, this is the fundamental 
block which they stood on. Noah, build an ark. Noah believed him. If he didn't believe, how do you build an ark on the land and not on the sea? Abraham, come out of your people and move out of this place. He believed it. If you don't believe, you won't even take a step to do it. If we said, bring your first fruit, if you don't believe, you can have more money than everybody here. The money will not travel to the basket. It takes faith to release. It takes faith to believe the God which believes you. It takes faith even to get healing. Why will people be healed? Faith. Somebody believed and prayed, and it worked. How did they receive the Holy Ghost baptism? They believed. How did they believe? Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, wait for me, and I will be there. And you see, these people, the man is dead. So they went there, and they were sitting down there. They didn't know what was happening, but that was the work of God. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they became different people. But, hey, Peter is very powerful. No, because they believed. When Peter and John healed that lame person in the way to the, the temple, he said, believing in the name of Jesus Christ, that made this man walk. So the work of God is having faith in him. You cannot Take away faith and think you're doing the work of God. You can do other works. Yes, they may be good. They may be acceptable. But once faith is not in it, it's not the work of God. The work of God is faith. That's why we all need to release and show people the Christ you have believed. In fact, life begins with accepting Christ. It's not even because somebody is living a good life. Some people by nature were trained to be good people. You were born into a very good family who would teach you the, uh, the way to live life and move, how to eat, how to talk, how to talk to people, how to respect people. That is very good. But that minus Christ it is teaching a monkey how to behave like a human being. And he knows how to use remote control. He knows how to put on the TV. He knows how to drive even a car. He knows how to do everything, a monkey. But let me tell you, the monkey cannot vote in Ghana. <laughs> he might be even more elite than somebody in the village who can read anything. But when it comes to the citizens of Ghana, All that I'm saying is that I want our faith in Christ to be very strong. People have placed their faith in men. They've put their faith even in pastors. They've put their faith in governments. And they have failed them. Yes, you may succeed by doing that. But that is not the work of God. The work of God is to believe in the one who was sent. So if God sent me, and it is God, and he brings a message to you and you act upon it, 
you are doing the work of God. That is why as a pastor, as men of God, if we are going to take decision, we must pray and know this is the mind of God so that if Jesus was here, this is what he would say. That is what we must say. Once people do that, they are doing the work of God. People want us to give them principles. They were asking Jesus, how? Jesus would say, look, when you go, you just put your hand on people's eyes, but the blind will be open. That was what they were trying to get from Jesus. Every work we do outside Christ is not God's work. Whatever we do, let's do it in Christ. You know, David wanted to build a temple for God. David had a zeal. He said, I want to build you a house. God, I want to build you a house. God said, David, no, no. I want a house, but not you who should build it. It's your son. David was obedient. If David had built it, I wouldn't call it the house of God. I would call it the house of David. God's house must be built in God's way, with God's people, with God's voice, with God's direction. Go and wait for me. The disciples at the upper room, and they were there. For I'll send the Holy Spirit upon you. Don't go and preach yet. Wait until the Holy Spirit come upon you. You may say, I want to do God's way. Jesus is dead. Time is going since he died. First day, second day, third day, 40 days. Hey, souls are dying. Jesus knows that souls are dying. But he said, wait until the Holy Spirit come upon you. If they had gone earlier, that wouldn't be the work of God. So they waited up there. And the 50th day, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And you saw what happened at the upper room. The fearful men became the bold men. It turned their life all around. Peter preached one message, and it won a lot. You see, he didn't even do an altar call. When he preached, the people asked for the altar call. <laughs> he didn't beg them. Oh, come on, you go to hell, oh, no. After he preached, the message, because it was the work of God, the Holy Spirit was in it, it burned the heart of the people and said, what shall we do so that we might be saved? We want what to do so that we can have salvation. We are having that thing in our heart. The word is burning in our heart. We want to do something. Peter says that believe. He preached that believe in him. He brought them to a place of faith where they can believe in Christ. They can receive him as Lord and personal Savior. I pray that our preaching will be full with power, Amen. with conviction. You see, we try to appeal to the mind of people. It is easy to appeal to the mind of people, but the mind of people keep on changing. When they face any situation, they analyze the whole thing and they forget about the first one. 
when I receive my experience with Christ, there's nobody who can convince me that Christ does not exist. I am fortunate out of the few to see Christ. I told you, one day after I received the Holy Ghost baptism, I was lying down, praying. In the morning, Jesus appeared and held my hand. He said, let's go. And he took me. We were able to pass through the wall. I was conscious about what was happening. It was a sweet experience. And I told Jesus, why are you taking me? My body is lying down. Somebody's going to sleep here. When he comes, he will try to wake me. If I don't wake up, they will take me and go and put me in a fridge. You see, look at what I'm, I was thinking. Jesus, by the time we come, I'm in that fridge. And you know, when people enter into the fridge, they don't come back. <laughs> it was real. He said, don't worry, nobody will come there. He picked me. Then that was the first time I saw Thousands of people, millions of people, all in white, praising God, singing songs, rejoicing. I said, wow. I said, Jesus, this is the church I want to attend. I said, is it? I used to be in Presby. Is it Presby? He said, no. I said, hey. Is it Methodist? He said, no. Catholic? No. Pentecost, no. Every church I knew I mentioned, he said no. I said, hey, he said, you I said, then what church is that? I said, these are the one which are washed in my blood who have accepted me. And I was rejoicing. When he took me to that place and I saw the music that was going on. If you hear that music, I mean real music with different blending voices. No mistake in it. Instruments. Different keys coming out. That one, it was so sweet. So I said, Jesus, let them take the body. I didn't want to come back here. I said, why should I go down there and go and suffer? Jesus, let me remain there. I don't go to the earth and make mistake so that I don't come here. My body, I don't need it. I won't go. He picked me. He said, I'm going to show you something. We went to another place. It was a deep hole, very dark. But I had the opportunity to see inside. And the type of people I saw there, I saw pastors, bishops, sinners, all this. I said, hey, who are these? Said, these were who were acting on earth. And those who never received me as their Lord and personal savior. I said, I'm pastor with clerical color. He said, it doesn't matter what name you put on yourself. What matters is what Christ you have in you. He said, that's the reason why I wanted to go back. So that those who don't know me, when they hear your story, 
when you preach to them, they will come to me. It was painful, but I love it. From that day, my faith became very shaky when I'm praying for somebody when he's dead, especially when he's a Christian. Because where I was, if you're here praying that I should come back, I won't mind you. <laughs> the place is sweet. Heaven is sweet. Heaven is real. It is not a concept. It is real. And nobody can change my mind concerning heaven. Nobody can change my mind concerning heaven, concerning Christ. Anytime I'm feeling discouraged and I remember this, I strengthen myself in the Lord. This should guide all of us that our life is not only on earth here. Our life is not only to make money. Now, money has become a god. People don't care what is the essence if you collect all the monies and you lose your soul. I want us to recalibrate our life and put spiritual things first and put the other things second. God bless you.